We are live. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. We're live a little bit early, so we're not going to officially start until um, 12 o'clock noon central standard time, which is when we go live every week. And we're back in black with uh, Mr. Walker Reynolds back from sabbatical. How are you doing, Walker? I'm good. Yeah, I was going through all my Discord messages today, and uh, somebody had said, hey, man, that's the longest sabbatical I've ever heard of. You know, because I was on sabbatical for five weeks. I'm like, what? You know, like teachers go on sabbatical for like a year, right? <laughs> you know, no, no, it's so yes, I'm back from sabbatical. It feels although I did work the whole time. It's not like I was in fact, the whole month of June, July, I did only take three days off the whole um, the whole time. Um, but yeah, it's great to be back. I, I'm energized. Yeah. yeah. Zach Vaughn, Vaughn scheduled me. Vaughn scheduled me for a DTMA at eight o'clock. The morning, <laughs> the day I return, the day I come back, eight a.m. I'm in my I'm in a kickoff meeting. So yeah. I felt like you needed something to do. <laughs> I appreciate, and Kevin was there too. So we'll and we'll be talking about that too. I'm awesome. like, what is going on here, man? Eight o'clock, day I come back, you're killing me here. So yeah, Zach, Zach is actually on vacation this week, so I'm just an Intellix software developer that you, get, you know is dragged into the stream today. So NPC Intellix software developer. And, but we also have, uh, more importantly, Kevin Jones on the community spotlight today. So Kevin, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. So we'll let you introduce yourself in a second here, but I do want to address Mr. Vaughn Turner. How's it going, man? Doing good, man. Glad to be here. Awesome. Glad to have Walker back. It's good to see him and uh, welcome, Kevin. It's going to be uh, exciting Thank to have you. you on board with us today. So I did... Thanks. I did watch all the videos. I so I did watch all all the streams while I was gone. I was tempted to join one of the streams. I was available to be able to do one of the streams, not the one last week, but the one two weeks ago. But I was in a pool, and so I decided decided not to not to join that stream from a couple weeks ago. So hey, Cheryl, how's it going? Good to see you. The stream today, I while we were preparing for it, it's a really good one. So you guys, yeah, it's actually good around. stuff. I was like, Thank Walker, you. you're trying to knock their socks off when you come back, huh? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we're going to go over um, uh, org charts. So there was a really good question that came up. Hey, you know, what what is the org chart for a new manufacturer look like? Uh, I can't share the actual document we have. I didn't get permission to share the actual org chart that we have. So I had to sketch one, um, kind of bastardize one. So we'll, we'll be going over that. Um, we're going to go over announcements. We're going to go over some cool stuff. The biggest industry. thing that we're going to go over for the first 15 to 20 minutes is going to be, you know, obviously our community spotlight with Mr. Kevin Jones. And probably the reason why you guys are joining for this specific spotlight is to get, you know, Kevin's Jones first look or his first impressions inside, you know, insider access of the DTMA process. So we're going to be kind of going into that. But, uh, here in a second, Kev I do Kevin's want Kevin to introduce himself and talk about you know his company before we get into that. Well, and, and actually, that's good because I knew that Kevin was an integrator, but I didn't know how much integration they do. Like you have, a, you guys have a product, right? Ectobox. Don't you guys have an edge edge device or something? No. No. Do you have any products at all that you sell? Uh, we are uh, we resell and partner with a couple products. Uh, we are Got starting that. to develop a couple of products on our own, scheduling, production scheduling, uh, and have a couple others in the works, in the plans. Good. So it, it's obviously better when like integrators send in. So you, I think you're the, you guys are the third 
right? They're, they're the third integrator now? Yeah, yeah, they're the third who sat in on us doing a DTMA with an actual client. So Kevin's been working with us this week. Uh, GIS, the guys in Ireland, they sat in with us and went through a big... That was a longer one. That was a... Well, this one's also two weeks, but it's really one week. We did... Oh, no, that was a three-week one. They sat yes. in on a big, yes. big automotive company. Um, and then we had the guys from Highbyte sat in on one of the DP, DTMAs. Um, and then you and then you. So it, again, we we want people from the community who are interested. It's a big commitment because it's a lot of meetings. It takes a lot of time. Got to debrief afterwards. So, um, you know, the kickoff is three hours long. I mean, it's and and uh, sometimes it goes four hours and then each of the sessions are at least 90 minutes and then you got debrief. So it's a huge commitment. Mm -hmm. But hopefully Kevin will have good things to say about, you know, we, we want to teach more people how to do this because there are. I think oftentimes like integrators, you know, I, they still do have this uh, zero sum game mentality, right? If, uh, you know, a, a project, another integrator wins, it means a project I lost, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's amazing to me. I mean, I don't, I don't think most people know how many manufacturers we have in the United States. We just talk about the U.S. How many different companies make stuff, either make stuff that go directly to the consumer or they make sub-assemblies, you know, their supplier for someone who makes stuff that goes to the consumer. But there are yeah, over 100,000, right? I mean, huge, huge, huge number of manufacturers in the United States. And there are not a lot of integrators, relatively speaking, right? There, there aren't. There's only a handful of integrators, relatively speaking. Um, you have a lot of small integrators, but there are not. I mean, for, you know, there's only, what, 4,000 members for CSIA globally, but so for <laughs> all across the world, there's only, you know, four, le I think less than 4,000 members. So there are not a lot of integrators and there are a lot of manufacturers. And right now we have a, this really short window to help transform, you know, industry 3.0 manufacturers into industry 4.0 manufacturers or the people who work there are going to have to go find new jobs, right? Or they're going to go work for a new company that they're going to get downsized in. So you know, our whole mentality is there is no way for us to do the DTMAs for every manufacturer. It's just not possible. So we've been spending all of our time right. trying to teach other people. Michael Dowdell, who is one of the guys that we who have we have been working with to teach Michael and his team how to do DTMAs using the methodology that we use. So that's mm -hmm. that's why Kevin's on board. So anyway, that's my. So without any further ado, Kevin, good to be back. You, Kevin, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, we'll dive into the community spotlight. Sure. Uh, I'm Kevin Jones, president, uh, founder, and we are uh, an intelligent, industrial intelligence solutions company. And our focus is to help companies grow, uh, to operate more efficiently and grow. And it's really through all of the stuff that we're talking about here, helping companies, and it's the same thing. I could repeat a lot of what you guys say because we're in the same boat, uh, chasing the same missions and, and visions. Uh, helping companies get from industry 3.0 to 4.0 and uh, there's a lot more I could say about a lot of things but that's that's the high level overview and we are in uh, Pittsburgh Pennsylvania and a lot of the work that we do is in the mid-Atlantic Great Lakes uh, area projects outside of that area like California other places but uh, that's our focus key verticals so obviously steel's got to be one right you're Pittsburgh but Steel, precision metals, uh, there's some chemical, uh, mostly when we're doing work, it's mostly discrete uh, manufacturing, uh, limited process, some batch when we're doing chemical and food. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of it's metals, uh, whether it's precision or primary, like steel and aluminum, uh, and also uh, plastics. There's a ton of plastics around here. Awesome. Uh, Mario. Hello, Mario. Good to see you. Mason, uh, Dowdell, Cheryl, Paul, Kopkak, all Anders. It's good to see everybody again. Um, so Kevin, so, uh, how long have you been a member of the community? You've been here for a while, right? Since I think it's about a year or so. I okay. don't know if it goes much longer. Let's say about a year. Excellent. And, and so, and so this week I'm, I'm, I'm doing a DTMA, um, for a tier one automotive supplier, a pretty big one. Um, and, um, uh, Kevin, we even, Kevin is a member of the community who is participating in that digital transformation maturity assessment this week. So, um, this week and next week. So he's, he had it, he has an opportunity. He and another member of his team have an opportunity to basically sit in on all the meetings we're having with this client, all the conversations we're having. He gets to see us go through the process, all the questions kick off. How do we respond to, you know, how do we overcome objections? You know, how do, you know, what's the mentality we have? How do we frame the questions, all that stuff. So, and, and this is for those of you who don't know, this is the third, um, this is the third member of the community who has joined us, uh, in an actual DTMA. So the guys from Ireland GIS, so John McKeon, one of his guys from his team got to do one in automotive with us. And then we had, um, uh, Aaron Semley from high bite, got to sit in with us. He sat in one. I think we did a two week one with Aaron and then, and now Kevin's team from Ectobox. And we are looking for other members of the community. Ideally you're in mastermind so that you know what the DTMA is. And, you know, because there's a lot of work that goes into explaining what it is, the background, the framework, all that stuff. So, but we, we want more people to join us while we're doing our DTMA so that we can teach other organizations how to do them. And, what we end up with is is many, many um, professionals doing the DTMAs, but we're all scoring through the same uh, data set. So, right, we've done 1,004, we are 1,005 companies we have in our data set. So when we do the Industry 4.0 score, it's in a data set that is a combination of basically three data sets, mm -hmm. uh, three or 400 or no, 200 and something companies that we have scored ourselves. Uh, there's a two or 300 companies that came from a, uh, another sample set that uh, we put a we put a low reliability on the data and then self-reported. There's like 400 companies that self-reported. Now what we want to do is have other integrators, other consultants, other industry 4.0 professionals do the DTMAs. And then we have built a web application, uh, you know, a, a, a web-based application that you will be able to report your scoring through and then be able to get the industry 4.0 score for your customer through our system. So that that's the goal. The goal is to have, you know, hundreds of integrators, ideally hundreds of professionals doing them all over the world. So we can grow that sa that data set to say 10, 20,000 companies, you know, 30,000 companies, that would be ideal. And then we can, and then we do, you, we can do, uh, you know, vertical analysis and all that kind of stuff. So Kevin is part of that process this week. He's had a chance to sit through the kickoff and then the meeting with the engineering group this morning. So what I'd first like to do is say, you know, Kevin, do you want to give us your feedback on what a, you know, what it, what it's been like for you, anything that you've learned particular, has it been valuable, not valuable, et cetera. Uh, it is 
quite honestly, being a member of the digital uh, mastermind, <clears throat> of course, I know a, a good deal about the whole DTMA process and a lot of other things that you've been uh, uh, teaching all of us, which is fantastic, first of all, of course. Uh, but uh, reading about it and hearing you talk about it is one thing, being there is yet another. Experience is really the teacher. Uh, and it is almost literally like being a fly on the wall. And that's what I was really hoping to get, is to be a fly on the wall. And then it we took it almost even one step further. In the uh, the debrief afterwards, you were asking for feedback. And I, I had a point and I said, well, I thought about mentioning this in the meeting. You said, no, dude, you should have said something. You should have brought it up. Like, OK, well, that's not a fly on the wall. That's participating. Talk right. about experience and teaching uh, uh, and learning. That's huge. So massive value uh, in being a participant in it. Uh, a lot of the learning has been around practical application of what you've taught us uh, is really seeing it in action uh, and seeing in context too. Uh, the <clears throat> list of questions for uh, engineering and maintenance uh, that happened today and how you presented and how you reacted with people today and also yesterday in the kickoff too, uh, hugely valuable uh, going through that whole process and seeing uh, how you're adjusting uh, as you go. Uh, it's, I can't say enough positive things about it. Excellent. Is there any anything that you've observed in the last two days as part of the process that surprised you? Or, um, is, there, or is there anything that stood out specifically that we should focus on as, you know, and then say in our next mastermind meeting later this month or in September's meeting, is there anything that we we should we should um that that surprised you going through this that you hadn't actually learned um in mastermind specifically it's a really good question i the biggest thing that i'm getting from it uh is the in situ context uh <clears throat> for a company of this type uh and uh for these types of people and these types of personalities uh, what kind of answers uh, you're getting or lack of answers, quite honestly. We even talked about that in the debrief as well. Right. Um, uh, that is really helpful to understand. I'm not sure how you would would work through that uh, as part of the digital mastermind, but that was really helpful. I've got to think about this too. That's a good question. Excellent. Awesome. So um, a little bit about your background. So I, I know Ectobox and, you know, and obviously we've spoken a lot. You and Dave Schultz have worked together shooting content. By the way, I've watched all of the content that you and Dave uh, did together. Um, and I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, I've Thank read you. your, you did a, I think you did a blog entry the other day or you, or a, maybe it was a white paper. It was, um, it was something you wrote that I read. Um, so I've, I've read everything, right? Um, say to being part of a DTA may change my life. Um, the the what's your background though i know who you are now but where can can you give us like how did you get up to the point where you are can you kind of explain maybe the arc of your career and how you you got to where you are sure i i started off in engineering mechanical engineering many years ago in school and then uh realized that uh, uh through a couple different paths i ended up in uh software uh, really liked software development, uh, was freelancing for a long time, uh, working on my own, uh, apprenticed with a guy for a while, and then started to get my own projects, which was really interesting, and then started to develop a little bit of a business. Uh, it was more of a freelance gig than anything, and if I get a little bit of extra work, I'll find somebody that I know, like, and trust to uh, take over some of that work <clears throat> so they can make some extra cash as they're moonlighting. 
uh, and then started to build up the business very slowly uh, and then realized that I needed a focus for the business. You know, let's not, we can't do everything for everybody. We need to focus. Okay, well, there's a lot of manufacturing here in our area. Uh, happened to run into a few of them, uh, started to get more, more manufacturing. And then we started to look uh, behind us uh, and, and realize, hey, there's this thing coming up called IoT. That's pretty interesting. And that's going to be really valuable. And wow, do a little research. That's really valuable in manufacturing. Let's start to get into that. And then a whole world starts opening up. And I peel layer after, over the years now, layer after layer after layer off of this onion. Uh, and here we are. And it's just incredible where we're at. So we are ending up uh, transforming ourselves from a custom software development company for anybody to um, systems innovator. Uh, and we are getting into uh, IoT uh, systems, uh, MES systems, and doing product development as well for ourselves, our own products as well as products for other companies. And it's amazing. We so we you do have so you do have an ecto box. <laughs> if you are developing your own products, oh, when, yes, I, by the way, I knew you were an integrator when Walker, when Walker's introduced you in the DTMA as a vendor, I was like, I just kind of cringed a little bit. Well, I, I, I knew, I knew he was an integrator too, but what I thought he was, was I thought Ectobox was product first integrator second. And I don't know why I thought that, but I did. That's what I thought in my head, but I mean, this is even better. Kind of, kind of in the name box, you know, you would assume that I'd have a, a box product, right. but Really, the, the name Ecto is a loose translation of the word out or outside in Greek. So, you know, outside of the box, thinking outside of the box. <clears throat> um, so it, it works. Uh, and that's kind of one of the points I was going to make is that uh, from the get-go, doing custom development, uh, we're always trying to solve uh, some interesting problems. And we have to think very creatively to do it uh, effectively, cost-effectively, uh, et cetera. And so we have to think outside the box doing that. And here we are landing in the same kind of role, but with different tools and a much narrower focus. And honestly, in a much more interesting world within manufacturing, uh, uh, developing products, developing solutions within, as we think of it, the four walls of the plant. You know, the idea get better visibility into the factory floor. Uh, we solve challenges within the four walls of the plant. You can come up with phrases like we, that all day long. And, it, and we, I say this all the time. We, you, you know, one of the questions that came up yesterday in the kickoff and the DTMA that you're observing or that you're participating in the was um, the question. So there was an engineering manager and I think a director in there and they and I asked after the initial presentation, is anybody freaking out yet? Right. Is yeah. any and and yeah. the director said, yes, I'm freaked out. I'm totally freaked out. Yeah, the engineering director and and the question came up, they, you know, they wanted to the IT manager or so the director of IT and the two engineering managers and directors, they wanted to know how does their job change? And so I was answering, I asked, answering that question. Here's how IT changes, right? IT moves from a security and compliance organization first to an enablement organization yep. first, right? Yep. They become a service organization first. Mm -hmm. That's fundamentally how they change. How does engineering change? Well, you focus less on specialization. You still specialize in your areas of expertise, but now you you really focus on fluency in all layers of the automation stack, and you you build dynamic teams. Go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. And and, and every project you develop is one part of a bigger whole. That's right. You never you're you're in in in. This is exactly you get it, and so many. It's amazing how many people don't get it. Which is, how does the integrator change? Well, the integrator stops doing projects and starts solving problems. So instead of 
doing a project that for a specific, that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be projects and you're not going to have integrators that are just building turnkey builds, you know, machines and stuff. But the, the, the standard integrator is going to be a problem solver, right? You're going to be helping organizations solve problems iteratively. That's what the integrator is going to do. That that's the integrator, the industry 4.0 integrator of the future. So, um, there was one other thing. Yeah, go ahead. We're hiring uh, some new types of people as well. We're still getting software developers, but we just a guy that's going to come on in two weeks is a PLC uh, guy has been very interested in getting into software, some database work, some Python work uh, on the side just to make life interesting. He's really young. He's going to be here in two weeks, and we're going to take him through the whole um, uh, not the mastermind, but the mentorship. Uh, and he's going to get into all of those technologies and he's going to have a blast because he's going to uh, go wide and go deep uh, on a lot of the technologies and become an expert in this stuff. And it, it's a totally new hire for us. And we are excited beyond belief. And the integrator, the the big advantage of becoming an industry 4.0 integrator is a bunch of them. Right. But it, mm -hmm. a, a huge advantage is you can lower turnover significantly. Yeah. Oh, One yeah. of the reasons. One of the reasons turnover is so high in the integration business is engineers aren't working on fun projects. They're doing the same project over and over and over again. They get sick of it. When you're an industry 4.0 integrator and you're solving problems iteratively, you're never working on the same project twice, right? You're, you're on a team that is solving problems. It's almost like being in skunk works, but except you're going, it's for the big time. You're going to production with your ideas. That, that's fundamentally how it changes. And what we've discovered is, you know, turnover is incredibly low when you're doing these types of project projects because are these types of solutions because everyone wants to be doing this stuff. And I, actually, I want to use this to segue. Uh, Alexander Ferrano asked a question. Uh, Zach, can you share that his question? There you go. Yeah, um, I, did, I did screenshot it in case we didn't we weren't going to miss this one, Alex. But all right, perfect. So what kind of people are suitable for automation engine career, automation engineer career? More specifically, what kind of personal traits and characters are more suitable? Um, it's an outstanding question. And in mentorship and mastermind, and I think I've, I've gone through this before, um, like in our public content where I talk about, you know, I actually I've done this in the live Q&A. What's the difference between an industry 3.0 professional and a 4.0 professional? And I highlight in red, here are the skills you got to have as an industry 4.0 professional. Um, you, and you're, you're going to focus in fluency, right? So um, I, I've gone over this many times. But let me let me say this. Who is a suitable for an automation engineer position? The answer is there is one quality you have to have in order to be good at um, systems and the one thing that we all have in common, my original undergraduate work is in sociology. I didn't go back and study engineering until after I, I was introduced to automation. I was originally going to be a teacher. So, but the one thing I have in common with all other automation engineers is that I tore apart my toys on Christmas morning. I wanted to know how everything worked. Okay. Every automation engineer is the same way. They think logically and they want to know how everything works. Right. So if you're constantly pulling things apart and you're left with five extra screws when you put it all back together, that really helps. It really helps to be that type of person. In fact, I've never met a, a really good automation engineer who, do, who isn't like that, honestly. Um, number two, um, you know, 80% of this job, I've said this many times, and I'm going to say it again, and I, I'm a firm believer of it. 80% of this job as an automation engineer or a controls engineer is having 
the balls to flip the switch when you're not quite sure you got it fixed, right? You have to, uh, oftentimes you have to, you're, you're going, you know, you have to have absolute faith in your ability to solve the problem, right? And, and 80% of it's just having the guts to flip the switch when you're not quite sure you fixed it. Okay. Um, but what has changed the type of personality here? Um, thank you, Michael Dowdell. Yes. The, the, everybody loves it. Um, what has really changed is that you, in, the integrator now is building dynamic teams. You have software developers. You have business intelligence. You have hardcore controls engineers. You have design engineers. You have manufacturing engineers on your team. You have people who you have quality engineers on your team. You are creating dynamic teams of experts. We, we call this the T-based team building model, which mastermind you guys will get in in uh, I think it's in the October schedule. We'll talk about how to create a T-based team. Awesome. Um, you, you, where you're making up a team of subject matter experts who all have something in common. So that and and you make up your you construct your organization out of these wheels. So I I may have a T-based team in my business development group, and I have a T-based team in my engineering group, and I have a T-based team in administration, and they all work together as subject matter experts. So you're deferring to the subject matter expert in that area. In this case, Kevin's hiring someone who's got a PLC background, right? Well, they become the manager, the subject matter expert in PLC development, but they will work in conjunction with the subject matter expert in Python or in software development lifecycle, et cetera, et cetera. So yep. who, the, the, the quick answer is what type of person can be an automation engineer? The answer is, is that you you really should be curious. You want to know how things work and you should be a logical thinker. Beyond that, it doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter what background is. If you've got those things, then you can develop these skills. Doesn't right? matter what um, you dress like. Doesn't matter what you dress like. It does. I mean, I'm telling you right now, the best integrators I know. Okay. I, and I can think of five um, engineers who are the, just off the chart. I mean, I've worked with some amazing engineers. I've worked and, and there are five guys, you know, um, five guys that I've worked with. Well, one's a girl. So four guys, one girl I've worked with who are the best engineers I've ever worked with in my entire career out of the thousands I've been with. None of them, none of them started out in engineering. None of them of the five best. None of them started out as engineers. There's a guy that I have a lot of respect uh, for, and I've followed, I think of <clears throat> him much like I think of you, Walker, a ton of respect, a, a leader, a thought leader, et cetera, Joel Spolsky in software development. Uh, he's done really, really well for himself. He was the founder of uh, a, a few tools, including Trello uh, and a couple other tools. And one of the premises that he had, I have a book back here somewhere, uh, is that you're smart and you can get things done. I mean, it's kind of pithy and you know a high level summary but if you dig into it it's a really good way to summarize uh, when um, i'm in when, when i'm interviewing for an engineer okay then this is god honest truth i don't read the resume ever i don't we don't look at the resume of a candidate until we've decided to hire them until we've made the decision we're adding them to our team we don't even look at the resume i i ask my i want to learn about a person's values I want to learn about their mission. Those are all my questions. What do you believe in? What do you want? What do you want your impact to be? Those are the first two questions I ask. Then I ask them an example of give me an example of when you've snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. 
and then I just shut up. And they've got to they've got to figure out how to answer that question. You know, one of the engineers that we had here had no experience. He got turned down by all these other companies. He's now our director of operations, by the way. When he we were we were his first company out of for out of college. I asked him that question, and he said to me, "I, you know, I was having to drive back to Seattle to take care of my parents. My car broke down halfway there. My my dad needed to leave. My mom was sick. I had to go take care of her, and my car broke down on a Friday. Um, you know, I think he cracked the the upper block of the engine. He like calls around for a machine shop. On a, never never worked with a lathe before in his whole life. He goes and he." gets a MIG welder and he he patches it up and then he machines it, puts it back together and gets home by Saturday morning. And I said, I don't give a shit what your education is. I want you working for me. That's what I want. I want that. The guy who figures it out and or the guy or gal who figures it out. If you're that person, if you're that person, there is a place for you in Industry 4.0. That's for sure. Um, all right, great. Kevin, go ahead. Sorry. So the the guy that we hired, Frank, who's coming in uh, in a couple of weeks. I talked with him just uh, the last Friday, I think, and we were just staying in touch, kind of keeping the rhythm going uh, to make sure that he lands well when he gets here. Got our onboarding process ready for him, uh, and he made a couple comments about the uh, interview process, uh, and he liked the fact that we were asking about him, talking about his values, our values. Uh, focus on leadership. Another guy uh, that's here as well, Kyan, who does a fantastic job for us, unbelievable job. Uh, we're his first job outside of a couple part-time jobs, <clears throat> and he does marketing for us. Unbelievable. Uh, he had said similar things, and I pushed leadership a lot uh, for us, uh, becoming very strong leaders, spelling it with a capital L. And uh, it's those kinds of things that drew him in as well. And, and we're really building up a big company, a good company, and a big company because of of these kinds of concepts. So I'm Excellent. buying in totally. Le leadership is not a position. It's a trait. And and you leaders are in are all over your organization. In fact, everyone is needs to be a leader. Mm -hmm. That you know, everyone needs to be a leader. Um it's not a position, it's a trait. All right, cool. I you you have a hard stop, right? Yeah. Yeah, sadly I do at um, 7 minutes. Thanks. So all right, much so for, what I'm going to uh, do is I'm going to go on, ahead and get Kevin. started in the announcements and do the questions. I've only, we only got three questions I'm going to answer today, but I want to start with, um, you know, hey guys, it's great to be back. By the way, uh, it's awesome to be back. We, um, I, I wrote about three chapters for the book that I'm, I'm writing a book on, um, you know how, how, you know how to turn adversity, how to turn crisis into a coat of armor, and you know how to turn adversity into a strength. Um, and, um, primarily I'm writing it for my kids and, you know, eventually my grandkids, but you know, I, it will be available for the entire world. Um, and so I, I got about 30 chapters of that book done. Actually, um, I did a, built a pretty slick automation project, um, which most of it's been deployed. I've got that PLC next there, some Wago PLCs, um, some IO link, uh, easy automate, uh, easy rack PLC, um, I did a couple of other things that over over the break, and then I supported some of my other companies, which is what I was really doing um, during sabbatical. So it is out. It's great to be back, um, and you know we're ready to hit the ground running. We there. It's going to be a very very busy second half of the year for us, um, and so uh, I'm super excited. All right, let me. Um, I think it's screen two. I need to share. It is. Zach, let me know when you can see my my screen. 
Yeah. And uh, thanks again, Kevin, for coming on the show today. Very, very appreciative to have you on and to be able to share your experience. So I hope, sure. I, I feel, I hope the community found it valuable. If you guys did, make sure to hit the like button and fall i personally found it incredibly valuable and i i appreciate you man and, and um, I, I hope you stay on stay on to the bottom of the hour but yeah i will i'll stay on uh but i really appreciate uh making it possible for us to to be a fly on the wall a participating fly on the wall if you will because it's huge value uh for anybody who's not in the the uh, digital mastermind or in the mentorship program and you're going down this this road of doing this in your own company or if you're going down the road of, of becoming an integrator changing from a 3.0 to a 4.0 integrator, you have to do this stuff. I mean, it's the same uh, same speech that Walker gives for the companies themselves. 11 out of 12 will fail through acquisition or going out of business if they don't do this kind of tradition, much like happened between industry 2.0 and 3.0. <clears throat> same thing for the integrators and everybody else. Uh, you got to do this. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's just fascinating, fun work too. So I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And by the way, that was a uh... Uh, we couldn't even if we had asked you to to give us a shameless plug we couldn't have done a better job um but we we did not i appreciate that very much uh, alexander frano i hope that answered your question brother um andrew ott good to see you by the way i did get your your step one um so for those of you that are in mentorship who i think six people have submitted their practicals um we have they've uploaded their documents and everything and well we'll start scheduling all of the uh uh, the reviews starting Friday, uh, this Friday coming up. Um, hey, One Way Automation. Hello from Edmonton, Canada, one of my favorite uh, cities in the entire world. Um, are, are there any questions that I can answer uh, from those watching the stream right now? Does any Does anybody have any questions that they want me to answer real quick uh, before I get into the announcements? I'm going to go over industry announcements, and then I've got three questions from the Discord that I'm going to answer, That and one of them I think will be really valuable for oh, you guys. Um someone had a question if you're an end user and you're in our digital mastermind can you still sit in on another dtma yep the only thing we would have to do is we would have to, a obviously it's got to be in a different industry so we i mean we do dtmas across basically every industry you can possibly manage but and we have to get obviously we got to get approval from our customer um but they no one's ever even remotely objected so far but obviously if you're in tier one automotive you know, you're not gonna be able to sit in on a competitor or something, but, um, but ideally we would just put you in a, you know, we'd have you sit in on a different industry, but yeah, absolutely. And users, vendors, we just get, we get permission from the client before we do it. Um, all right. So the, with that, uh, some just quick updates, um, subscribers, we, we broke 11,000 on YouTube. Thank you. Awesome. Um, we're only 200 on disc. I was going through discord yesterday and today. Because I, I literally turned off. I didn't look at LinkedIn. I didn't answer emails. Nothing for like five weeks at all. I was going to Discord. And man, there were thousands of posts that I had. I mean, I was crazy. I In every channel, it took me forever. It took me like six hours to get through everything. So the Discord is just amazing conversations going in there. What's really interesting, the thing I take away is the discord's always been full of very very smart people very accomplished people across and we have like a really awesome section i think our commitment to not allowing people to sell actively well in the discord i honestly believe that that has made all the difference in the world that's what has kept people from you know just leaving um because no one really likes business development people but uh i love business development people but engineers generally just don't here, here. um more valuable absolutely yeah 
Uh, Blizo, what is a DTMA? It is a digital transformation maturity assessment. And it is the starting point for a an industry 3.0 manufacturer starting their digital transformation journey. So when, when a customer calls us, when a client calls us and they say, hey, Intellic Integration or 4.0 Solutions, we want you guys to work with us. We want, we've got this proof of concept you want to do, or we want to do. The first thing we ask is, do you have a digital strategy? And if, and, and if you do, do you have an IIoT architecture? And then we compare their architecture to what we know works. And if, and if they don't have a strategy and their architecture is not going to scale, then we start with a DTMA, which is a, basically an evaluation of the organization, generally one week or two weeks. Where are you? Where do you want to go? How do you get there? And then we design their architecture, help them with their digital strategy. It is, it is the best starting point for any manufacturer. And what we do in our digital mastermind program is we teach people how to lead digital transformation initiatives. But part of that is starting through that DTMA process. So DTMA is Digital Transformation Maturity Assessment. And it's for it's an, uh, uh, companies, we, we score the company and then they get to see, we, get, we score them on a distribution and they get to see where they stand relative to uh, the other thousand plus companies that are in the sample set. All right, so um, some sponsorship stuff. So we've been, so that we can like, uh, obviously we don't, you know, we're, we're a for-profit company, but our goal is not profit. We don't, the only reason we charge for stuff is because I have a board of directors that makes me charge. So, uh, you know, we have to be able, it's very expensive, all this stuff that we do here, all the technology we have, shooting the content. I've, we, you know, we, I personally spent almost a quarter million dollars of my own money developing content for three years. Um, and we started monetizing like basically like last year. So uh, we've started doing sponsorships, which is basically allowing vendors that we support. So that is vendors who have technology that we use. We allow them to basically do one month sponsorships for the channel. So we have, um, am I allowed to announce the other one too? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We so approval this week. Uh, so it, we, have we picked the month yet for them or no? Um, no, not yet. That one's okay. too, still too to be determined. So e, e, so the the first two sponsors of the channel, so basically they're going to sponsor for uh, one whole month. So you guys will see, you know, it'll say, uh, we'll have a little, um, you know, just like other YouTube channels, you'll see like there's a, you know, paid advertisement or something in there. Um, they're basically supporting the channel for the whole month. So the first sponsor is EasyVPN which you guys saw the unboxing that Zach did. We're actually going to be doing a, a easy VPN um, Tossie box uh, capability video where we're basically going to, those are the two VPNs that we believe in the most, the, the industrial VPNs that we believe in the most. Um, Tossie box is the one we use. I mean, everywhere, every one of our customers, we use it with every client. We use it in our office. We use it everywhere. Tossie box is the, you, you guys have heard me talk about it a million times. What we're going to be doing is part of that September, we're actually going to shoot a video where we uh, compare and contrast EasyVPN and TossieBox, and we'll put together a little matrix to say, here's where EasyVP the applications EasyVPN is going to be best for. Here's what TossieBox is going to be the best for. So um, so EasyVPN is the sponsor in September, um, and then Canary Labs is the sponsor in October. Um, and obviously, Canary Labs, you know, you know, that's our historian of choice. We for many, 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 many reasons. I ever, I also have another big announcement about Canary here coming up in a second. And then we just EMQ, the the folks for, who make the EMQX broker, which 
Um, so there's basically two enterprise brokers out there that are um, there. There are more than two, but there are two that we use the most because of application scalability throughput. So you got HiveMQ, which is a German company, um, and then you've got um, uh, EMQX, which is uh, you know they have they're developed in China. You know they have stateside Silicon Valley um, roots, um, and EMQX is our sponsor. Well, they just agreed to sponsor so i don't know what month they're going to do probably november so you guys will see that um and it's basically a way of us with, with by the vendors supporting the channel as long you know um they have to agree to allow us to say whatever we really think about their product so they can't that which is kind of you know they they have to let us say the good bad and the ugly no matter what um and uh but it, it's gonna it's gonna help us provide more content for everybody so um but whenever we're doing something paid, you will absolutely know, okay, these guys are sponsoring for this month. That's why they're they're getting a shout out in every video. Uh, training updates. So we got 276 members in the mentorship program, which is just redonkulous. Um, that's the program that we have um, where we we're training engineers how to be industry 4.0 professionals. Uh, we actually have six who've submitted their zipped VM, which has got their... their um, um, the practical is encased in it, and we actually will start reviewing Friday. Uh, some cool things. So part of what I did back here was um, the uh, PLC Next. Uh, we built an automation project where we can share all this data. Uh, we're going to be integrating the PLC Next into the unified namespace. A couple of things that we're going to be doing th in the second half of the year, we're going to be integrating PLC Next into our unified namespace. The other thing that we're going to do is we're going to go all the way back to the beginning when we started last year and we did all of our UNS stuff using Ignition. We're going to do the exact same thing using Factory Studio or Frameworks. We're literally going to redo that initial session and we're going to do it with Frameworks. So, um, You mean the Digital Mastermind one? Yeah, Digital Mastermind. Yep. yep. Um, I'm not talking about mentorship here. Mentorship, we're going to connect the PLC next to the UNS. But for Mastermind, we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning and and do that same video um with uh for um, the with frameworks for the connecting the plc next to the uns what what it's going to be kind of structured in the same format that we do our mastermind right correct yep got so um a couple things definitely going to want to attend that so mastermind digital mastermind is the program where we teach people how to basically lead digital transformation initiatives so it's they're um there's uh you know mentorship is really more appropriate for the engineer who just wants to be on the team and mastermind is for the people who are leading these initiatives, the architects or that masterminds for that, for them. We have 67 members in that program. The last two sessions. So June, the June and July session, Michael Brown from Amazon web services put everyone through the AWS boot camp. So we did two sessions with AWS and we sort of um, catered it to the digital mastermind uh, program. We got, amazing feedback from from uh for michael brown and aws uh you know we're obviously huge fans of aws we you know i like azure iot but there's a aws azure iot video that i did as to why i prefer aws talks about some of the technical details why we pick aws um but uh that's a that's an outstanding those last two sessions with michael brown were awesome um all right do some video do you see this video or can you answer this question uh where uh, Thomas, uh, 
Thomas okay. Jensky asked. Y yeah, does anyone have data on the percentage of manufacturers that are working on Industry 4.0? Yes, it's 11% 11, 11 of manufacturers who have been surveyed. I think there were 1,300 manufacturers in the, in the survey. 11% are actively in their Industry 4.0 journey. Uh, just a, a shade over 30% have started to strategize on their journey. And so then, that is, they, they want to do it, but they haven't started. And then this one from Thomas, my company and I are fairly new to the 4.0 space. And the one area I don't see a lot of instruction around is how to go from unified namespace to process records. Well, um, well can, we could talk about that in the Canary sponsored video. Correct. That's, um, that's more. All right. So you got to crawl before you walk, you stand, you got to stand before you walk, you got to walk before you run, you got to run before you sprint. That is a running capability um and so most of our members of mentorship will get to that about the end of the beginning of next year mastermind we're going to touch on that um probably in november or december um, i'm a student in mechatronics i've missed the opportunity to register last month can you please offer me a preferential price for training if you're a student we do zach and vaughn do work do work things one, out one thing you. i do want to mention is we're restructuring the way mentorship works completely for uh, the next launch. We're going to be including um, this ancillary third-party training. Previously was separate. We're, we're working towards a plan where that's going to be inclusive. That does mean that it's going to come with a price adjustment in order for us to be able to fulfill upon that. But um, it's going to make it's basically going to make joining men, men, both mentorship and or you know that step up to mastermind that much more. Uh, yeah. So I've got three announcements, uh, industry updates, okay? And, and a couple of these are maybe 10 days old or whatever, but I, number one, Tatsoft Frameworks. Version 9.2 is in beta. Um, those, those of you in mentorship who are waiting to finish Frameworks University, I promise you it's gonna be worth the wait um, because there's a major announcement coming from Factory Studio uh, next next month, okay? so. Um, and I, I, am I allowed to share this? I'm allowed to share this, I think, right? The, yes. yes. Oh, okay. So there is a, um, a, a frameworks um, in 9.2, there is a connector to Canary, a native connector to Canary. And there is a partnership between frameworks and Canary that you're going to be able to get frameworks and Canary wrapped together. Okay. Um, so Canary will be the native historian with frameworks. There is a Canary Roadshow, which is in Chicago, September 13th to the 15th. It's three days. I mentioned this in, um, our, I think, our mastermind program. If you guys want to um, check it out and sign up for it, there are limited seats. There are limited seats for it, but you can go to thehelpcenter.canarylabs.com and you'll be able to click on the very top, the uh, very top uh, link. They're doing a hands-on training. I will be there to keynote address. Uh, Canary Labs, Tatsoft, INS, Tossy Box, Opto22, HiveMQ, and 4.0 Solutions will all be there doing um, hands uh, one whole day of just hands-on training where we're going to do full integration. So for everything, okay, that is using HiveMQ as the broker, Opto22, Groove Epics on the edge. We're going to be using Tossy Box for the VPN. We're going to be using Tatsoft as the IoT framework or, or the IoT platform. And we're going to be using Canary Labs as your historian. And we're going to do full integration. Soup the nuts. That's on day two. Um, and then, um, and I highly recommend, there are limited seats for it. And I, I don't know if it costs anything. I didn't see, I don't think it does, right? Um, you can just register, but once the seats are, once you're out of the seats, you're out, okay? Um, 
this is there's they're going to be making the announcements about the canary framework stuff um at the roadshow okay and i think we're supposed to see the pricing and everything for that the frameworks canary package we're supposed to see that at the roadshow right and it'll be it's supposed to go live yeah. at the end of september so canary tats off uh, uh frameworks 9.2 that whole thing's supposed to go live it's a it, this is a huge deal this is a really really big deal so you need to keep your eyes out uh, uh open for it okay yeah um canary roadshow and then high bite version two i just wanted to um please make sure take this um this uh link and drop it in zach please read uh the post from uh, tony Payne from july 27th and high bite okay high bite data ops okay um they're enterprise ready now version two just came out it's got all the enterprise support um uh, oh, yeah, Lee Hunt, let me answer your question. Sorry. So he said, with COVID still being a thing, travel is strongly discouraged. Any remote opportunities for Canary Roadshow? Number one, everybody get vaccinated, please. Everyone get vaccinated. Um, you know, everybody at Pfizer who who has the, you know, they all got the vaccine. You know, tens of thousands of employees. If there's anything wrong with the vaccine, they wouldn't have gotten it, okay? Um, and, uh, you know, we have, you know, please, please. Please get vaccinated unless you have a medical reason not to get vaccinated. You know, I, I don't want to have a political discussion here. I'm a hardcore conservative, but everybody get vaccinated, please. Um, number two, Lee, uh, Zach will be there with me. We will be shooting content. I don't know if we're going to be able to do like a live thing, uh, but we we will shoot content. And anybody who can attend, we will do our absolute best to provide uh as as much valuable instruction coming back as we as we possibly can okay all the all the recordings will whatever we are able to record we will make that a, privately available to mentorship with like our other webinars and additional resources okay great and please please uh read this blog entry because we will be talking a lot about enter using the enterprise feature in high bite so that's going to be enterprise deployment of models and flows you're gonna be able to do that from you know deploy from one instance to another plus uh, load balancing distributed architecture the whole deal we're gonna be talking about this a lot in the second half of the year it's gonna it's gonna become core to our to our architectures i mean high bite already is we included in basically every architecture i think we've designed this year high bite is included um it, and, and trust me, how, you, if there was a company you were going to invest in, Highbyte is the company. They, everybody, they, you know, there were companies that had the opportunity to do this, and they mm -hmm. they dropped the ball by not. Strangely, you know, we're not. Strangely, we're not sponsored. We're not even sponsored by Highbyte, but we would we would love to. <laughs> Highbyte, if you're listening, that, that's a shameless shameless plug. All right, got it. All I right, just guys. want to be fully transparent. So that's I want to answer yeah. answer a couple of questions. So I'm going to answer three questions. The last one is the is the one that I think will be very valuable for you guys. I think they're all valuable, but the last one is a comprehensive response. So number one, we got a question. Um, there was a question from Amir728 um, in the Discord. He said, are there any case studies on the unified namespace architecture? So, you know, um, Anders was saying, hey, listen, if you want to know how to do MES, SAP integration, you know, mastermind or, or mentorship is really for you. That's what you want to do. And then he said, I reached chapter four of the mini course, the free mini course on IoT University. I wanted to check if there are any case studies out there for that specific use case. Thank you, Walker. So he, I took a screenshot of the video. So he wanted to know, are there case studies? The answer is yes, there are. There are two new ones that we're actually working on. I talked about at the beginning of the year, 
uh, we demo the case, this case study for most of our clients. They get a chance to see the integration of the unified namespace as specifically what I have on the board here in video four of the IIoT mini course. So if you want to see what he's asking, I think it's about halfway through the video. He's saying, is there any case studies? There will be published case studies in the third quarter or at the very beginning of the fourth quarter this year. But there's because it's a unified namespace and it contains, you know, basically internal data for the organizations, we there's a lot of cleansing that we have to do in order to be able to publish a meaningful case study that isn't just, hey, they spent this and this was their return. Okay. So the end there was a great question. Yes, there are case studies. You can see the case study if we have an NDA and I can share it with you now. You know, we don't we don't right now we only present it to people who have signed an NDA because we have an NDA with the clients that that we're doing the case studies for. Um, but we will have a public case study in the third quarter or the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, we're working on those case studies right now, actually. Okay. Question number two, are there examples of ideal run rates for processes across companies in the calculation of OEE? This is actually a really, really good question. So it's XYZ Hang. He, he asked it at the beginning of July, but I obviously wasn't here. So his question was, hi, folks. I'm recent, I recently looking into the metrics measurement and um, as what Walker has mentioned in some of his past videos. OEE is frequently used to compute for performance, okay? Um, it, it isn't. Performance is a subset of OEE, but I understand what he's saying here. OEE is, is the when you multiply availability times quality times performance, you get OEE. But I get what he says. I get the most parts except when it comes to the computation of the performance number, where we divide ideal run rate by the actual run rate, run, run rate which we don't really, that's not what we do. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to it here in a second. The question is whether the ideal run rate can be something subjective, in which case the OEE outcome would rely on the assumption about the ideal run rate and therefore turn OEE to be something only meaningful for the company itself. And it is incomparable within the industry as the standard can hardly be unified. A quick example I'm thinking of is a Coca-Cola line to a Pepsi line and will there be some ideal run rate as the guardrail for both of them? This is a really good question, actually. Um, the reason I'm asking is because I did see some papers talking about industrial standards for some products. Hope someone can help. If it turns out that ideal run rate can be something deterministic in real life, I'd love to know the way in computing it. Okay. Number one, one of the outcomes of Industry 4.0, so uh, that is digital transformation, is that we are going to um, integrate, digitally transform supply chain. We don't talk about it all the time. So, and what does that mean? But it's it's part of the iteration. We get to it a couple of years down the road as, through your journey. The um, unifying the supply chain means that um, I am connecting my digital ecosystem as a manufacturer to a digital ecosystem from of, for my consumers. That is, I'm going to be able to collect data from my consumers about the products I make digitally. I will also be able to share data from my ecosystem, okay, data and information to my suppliers. And I will be able to consume data and information from my suppliers. So what will happen is manufacturers, suppliers, and consumers will be digitally connected, okay? And so and, and, and the advantage of that is that we'll be able to uh, react faster to changes in schedule, in shortages in raw materials, and we'll be able to we'll be able to optimize operations down the supply chain 
from our suppliers to our manufacturers down to our consumers, distributors, whatever, will be able to optimize that much, much faster. Digital okay? supply chain. Correct. One of the big advantage, one of the steps to get there is we will be sharing um, standards, ideal standards across verticals. So within verticals. So right now, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, they don't share, um, they don't share common throughput on their canning operations or bottling operations. They don't do that. Why? A, because they're not sharing, their ecosystems are not unified, okay? The digital ecosystems. So there is a point, and we've talked about this many, many, many times. There is a point, especially in, I don't want to say socialist companies, but or socialist organ, um, countries, but social democracies where the country itself owns part of the means of production. So companies like Germany, right? For example, or the French, the government owns part of the means of production. So therefore, they have the ability to share data between competitors, right? Right now in the United States, we don't do that. Like we we use, you know, um, you know, trade groups might be able to share that data as long as it gets sanitized and anonymized. Okay. So that's the first part. First part is, yes, this is a natural evolution of digital transfer of, of industry 4.0. Right. But I, I do want to go back to the, the, you know, OEE in layman's terms. I want to talk about how do we calculate performance? So he was saying, if I'm going to calculate OEE and I want my performance number to, so let's talk about how you calculate performance. All right. In order to calculate performance in your manufacturing operation, you ultimately have to get to total um, parts produced. So the total parts you created, okay, the total things, widgets you built. And you need to divide that by the things you, based on the schedule, the rate, how much you ran, what you, uh, what you should have produced, okay? So the way that we get scheduled to produce what I should have produced is I need to know how long I ran for. That is how long I actually ran for. And I need to multiply how long I ran for by the rate I should produce per minute, per hour, per second, okay? So when he asks about the ideal rate, he's saying, where do I get that rate from, okay? You get that rate really from three places. Place number one is ideal rate, and that normally comes from your machine builder. That is, what is the, the, the fastest cycle time, or what is the cycle time, the theoretical cycle time of my piece of equipment, how much can it actually produce? Okay, so that's number one. That's ideal rate, and it comes from um, it comes from your machine builder generally. Okay, or or it comes from a an engineer who goes out with a stopwatch. Okay, number two, you have standard rate. Standard rate comes internally. Oftentimes, it comes from your process engineer or it comes from your product engineer, and that standard rate is um, by product code. When I'm making this product on this machine, we believe the standard rate should be this many parts produced per minute, per second, per hour. And then the last one is scheduled rate. Scheduled rate is something the planner is a rate that the planner may say we're going to produce at. And it's a way of moving the yardstick to, um, for your operators to improve performance. Okay. Most of the time for our customers, we calculate OEE or performance three times. We calculate it using the ideal rate. We calculate it using the standard rate. And we calculate it using the scheduled rate. Now, the, the OEE number that they report against is generally against standard. 
their internal standard. Okay. Michael said, thank God, a practical discussion of where we can get theoretical rate. Correct. And it can change between SKUs. Exactly. I mean, this is why not everyone can do an MES system, uh, by the way. Uh, you know, basically anyone can build SCADA. Any, any idiot but, can build a SCADA. Right. But MES, MES is a, a different level, right? There's a lot of moving parts. There are a lot of varying conditions. His question is an outstanding question. Eventually, eventually, we're going to either get a fourth rate, which is going to be universal rate, maybe, right? Or the ideal rate will get replaced from the machine builder and may come from uh, organizational body. But in order for us to do that, we have to share data. We got to share data, our ecosystems within our verticals. Okay. Any questions about that? All right. Last question. So um, it's Stuck's Netza on, in June asked this. It was literally the day I started my sabbatical. I went on sabbatical on the 24th. Um, are there any examples of org, org charts for digital transformation? This is a great question. This is one we, we actually go over in Mastermind. We will be going over this again um, later on in the year. So he, his question was, hello all, were there any discussions in the past about organization setups for large manufacturing companies undergoing a digital transformation? I've been working for a few companies in a global organization and the same trend is clear. The traditional IT, OT organizations and procedures are not being changed, and it's a constant battle between those departments, both from global and local perspectives. Typical hot topics. Who manages kept server? IT in one factory, OT in another. Want to uh, change when IT manages? Response is open a ticket. This is for me. This for me is absolutely crazy. Um, then there are discussions on who should drive digital transformation in manufacturing, IT or OT. I still feel a dedicated department uh, should be established, which is driving the digital transformation home and really bridging the gap between IT and OT and, of course, the business. Would be, gr would be great to get some feedback on experience of what's worked, what's failed from this group, and hopefully Walker has some input. All right. So while you do have a, a standard org chart that we often share with customers, I, can't, I didn't get permission to share it, so I, I threw one together that send, does the right message. Okay. The first answer to your, this is an outstanding question, okay? And what that tells me, this Stuxnetza, just like when I read Cheryl's question, when I read this question, tells me this is a person who has been actually involved in digital transformation initiatives because you can't ask this question unless you've run into this wall, okay? So uh, it's not possible for you to come up with it, all right? So the, the initial answer is, is the org chart depends. There is a org chart that we start with and then tweak for an organization. Okay. And we actually have one of our clients on here who, um, one of our recommendations coming out of the DTMA is you need to add, there are two positions you got to add right away. You need to put a CTO or CIO on your board of directors. We recommend in your senior leadership team, we recommend this person for that role. You need a director of digital transformation. Um, and we recommend this person for that role. Okay. So that was part of the DTMA process. We, we, we highly recommended that they not um, hire from outside the organization for, to fill those roles because they already had the champions internally. That was part of our recommendation. So yes, you are correct. Part of the DTMA process is we have to rewire the way companies think. And if Kevin was still on the call here, he would tell you that in my meetings the last couple of days, I've been drilling this home. We have to rewire the way everyone thinks in the organization. And that's part of our process. 
So here is an example of a, uh, an, a traditional IT uh, org chart on the left, okay? Um, actually, let me start. I wanted to answer one other thing here. He said, who should be driving? Who, who should drive digital transformation in manufacturing, IT or OT? This is great. Here's number one, your digital strategy needs to come from the top. Your executive leaders need to define what the digital strategy is. That comes from your leadership team. That, that digital strategy needs to be communicated to your entire organization. It should be a one to three sentence statement and every person in the organization should be able to recite it by heart. What is the digital strategy? Okay, number one, that comes from the top. The second thing that comes from the top is the, the command that IT is going to become an enablement organization and a service organization first and a security and compliance organization second. Okay, that those are the only things that come from the top. Digital transformation is driven from OT. So that is operate in the in the in the early iterations, operational technology is driving all the improvement. We call this unlocking potential on the plant floor. All of that's being driven on the OT side, and it is being supported and enabled on the IT side. IT is held accountable. Okay, IT is held accountable for the value, capturing value with digital transformation, but it is driven from OT, okay? And this this is how you achieve that. This is a very common org chart that we may modify. We'll take a customer, a client's org chart. This is an example I just pulled off the internet. It's not a customer, okay? So you got your chief information officer at the top, right? They must drive IT as a service organization first, security and compliance second. They must transform information technology into a data and information enablement group. Okay, so that's the role of the CIO. Okay, then what you you have the CIO next to the CIO, which we'll get to in a second. There's a new role you add, and that new role is your senior director of digital transformation. That senior director of digital transformation, all of the other directors report into the senior director of digital transformation. Okay, so your senior director under enterprise systems and services, your IT service operations, service desk, network services. And then you create a new group called digital experience or your digital transformation team. They are the ones who are, and that team is not just IT people. That's a that's a cross-functional group made up of IT and OT professionals, engineers, software developers, and, and uh, IT members, okay? They report to the senior director of digital transformation, okay? The senior director of digital transformation they report up to the COO and a dotted line, okay? Because the COO is the customer. They start out as the initial customer of digital transformation and they report into the CIO um, for accountability. The enterprise systems, IT service operations, service desk, network services, they report to the senior director of digital transformation, okay? So who should be your senior director of digital transformation? Okay, this is your unicorn, right? They sometimes this might be not a director but an executive vice president. You may give them that title. They must have digital transformation experience. Okay, just because I went to grad school with this person and they seem really smart doesn't mean you can put them in charge of your digital transformation journey. Okay, sometimes what you do is you pick the person you want, then you hire the industry 4.0 expert to train them how to do that job. That's what we do in Digital Mastermind, right? So 4.0 Solutions, part of our mandate is to teach, is to create these people, okay? 
So they must have digital transformation experience. Number two, they must have ops experience. Let me say this again. They have to have experience successfully digitally transforming organizations, and they must have operations experience. Number three, they must be highly fluent in digital strategy and solutions. Okay? These are hard people to find. They're not easy to find. Okay? You want to be successful? You need that. Okay? Your digital transformation team is right here. Digital experience, digital transformation. The COO is the initial internal customer that digital experience or digital transformation reports into via a dotted line through the director of digital transformation, the senior they, director. They pay for the initial proof of concept or the they pay for the DTMA or how does that in, work? In, gen, in general, IT is paying for the DTMA. In general, IT, there are basically two budgets you're working with here. Okay. Um, but what you really end up doing is you start out with money coming on from OPEX and money coming from CAPEX to do your digital transformation, especially through proof of concept. And then during that time, you're working on funding that you're going to route directly through the senior director of digital transformation to fund all of the, the iterations. Any questions about that? Hopefully that answers that question. Um, um, I do want to say shout out to the person that booked a call with me or with our team on this call. I saw that come in. So if you guys are interested in joining mentorship or mastermind or learning how to do a DTMA, there will be a link in the description box below to book a call. No, no, no pressure. Just learn, learn more about our programs and if it's a right fit for you. Excellent. Any, any other questions? So I know that there's like a 10 second delay. So, um, Hopefully that was valuable. Was that this, was this that was valuable? This was, was really that valuable. helpful. Th th that answer there. Hopefully that helps answer that question for people. For me, seeing the org chart was valuable. Um, I'm glad that you put the work in to do this. That's that's interesting to see the dynamic of how the senior director of digital transformation is reporting to the COO, but also the you know the CIO, and then IT. That's one thing. When I was sitting in the DTMA yesterday. That was one thing I wrote down was IT must become a service organization first, security and compliance organization second. That's how IT changes. Fundamentally. Um, yep. Yep. Fundamentally, IT changes. Any it, it, Anyway, guys, it, it's great to be back. Um, you know, hopefully uh, today was uh, valuable for you guys. Um, if you've sent me any private messages or anything, it's going to take me a couple days to get through everything. I've been working on them since Sunday, but I think I had, I mean, there are thousands of messages, so I'm trying to filter through everything. All right. Zach, right, we'll, see, we'll see you in the Discord, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you.